You're listening to Galaxy of Film. Welcome back to the Brain Ups of Galaxy of Film. I'm, of course, your host, Max, joined of none other than my slightly shorter co-host, Danilo. How are you doing, man? Dude, I'm doing okay. Getting over the cold. Made my first home-cooked meal, though, man. Did you? Yeah, dude. I've never made a meal in my entire life. Okay. Besides, like, pots and noodles and stuff, so I actually had to go to the store, buy some stuff. You know, was it was an easy meal, chicken noodle soup, and <laughs> it, it was a hit, man. It was a hit, so that was good. Okay, okay, sweet. Making big moves, man. You learn to read a little bit, go ahead and get some cooking skills going on. Proud of you. A sharper knife than just your average butter knife, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny you mention that, dude. After we had a conversation last week, I think when we talked Halloween and Halloween ends, um, I made my first home-cooked meal this year, too. <laughs> oh, nice, man, nice. Yeah, a nice little grilled cheese mac and sandwich. Yeah. That's, no, dude, no. That's, no. What, you don't like? Come no, on, dude. That's not a home-cooked meal, dude. That's just like a snack. No, man. The mac and cheese, grilled cheese sandwich, bro. You had me craving one after last week. I did. It was the best thing ever, but... Yeah. Single best thing I've ever graced my stomach with, for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, dude. We're, we're here going on a special episode this week. Finally getting a chance to talk uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. This came out back earlier this year when I was at Celebration when we did that video series. Um, so, yeah, dude. Finally ready to talk about this one. Yep. <laughs> Um, thankfully, we're not alone this week. We've got a couple special guest stars with us. Um, first up, it's been a very long time since he's been on. Since uh, I think the last time was a couple weeks ago, I think. Talking about this one stoner movie called Clerks 3. Uh, we have Brian from Drink the Movies and the Old Republic podcast. How are you doing, man? I am doing awesome. Yeah, it feels like just yesterday we were talking all things Clerks 3. And yeah, excited to to be back on and you know talk about Kenobi. It's uh, been a show we've wanted to talk about here uh, together for quite a while now. So I'm glad we're uh, getting able to do it today. Um, but I, I do want to know why Danilo didn't throw out that recipe uh, for his chicken noodle soup. What's up with that? Yeah, dude, where's the recipe? I was freeballing it. I watched like five YouTube videos, freeballing it with a seasoning. Just absolutely freeballing it. I had no idea. Like I added garlic, you know that like chicken stuff or whatever? That seasoning for chicken? Yeah, I threw that in the soup as well. What uh, seasoning for chicken, dude? <laughs> the one you told me to get. I don't oh, know. the kicking chicken, dude. Yeah, yeah, specific. I threw that in the, in the soup or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like you were probably supposed to only use like half of that broth container and then mix it with water. You know, just use the entire thing. Um, so it was pretty brothy or whatever, but you know, it was good. It was good. There were like, there was a good like two pounds of chicken in there though, man. Like there were six chicken breasts in that thing. Ran out of noodles. Um, so that's okay. <laughs> no wonder you ran out of noodles, man. What? Yeah, man. Yeah, like well, the epi- first time cooking, guys. First time cooking. Yeah. All right. Well, now we got that episode of success. So I'm definitely glad I came on now. So. <laughs> Oh boy. Also reintroduced into the show this week. We've got Lexi from Nerd Academy. Um, it's been immense. We've had you on. It's been since I think Multiverse of Madness. So glad to get you back on the show this week. Yeah. How are you doing? I think it was. <laughs> uh, sorry. Oh, I, I'm go I, I'm doing good. Just busy and mm-hmm. figuring my life out in my early to mid twenties with jobs and college and everything. Um Everything's been decent, though. Uh, I'm glad to be back. 
Yeah, it's good to get you on. I feel you though. Being in your early twenties sucks. Isn't that right, Danilo? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, dude, I'm well in my early twenties right now. <sighs> you won't be this Learning next week. Learning to cook. <laughs> Have you made any interesting home cooked meals lately? Any any grilled cheese sandwiches, soups, nothing? No. <laughs> Brian, anything special with you, man? Any any deal meals? Anything going on? Uh, no, I haven't been cooking a lot. My uh, wife actually was traveling for work the last couple weeks, so I've been mostly uh, doing uh, bachelor food style, so ordering pizzas, uh, doing uh, mac and cheese, grilled cheese. That was an excellent idea. Thanks for the, thanks for that one. So, you know, stuff like that. So. <laughs> of course, man, of course. Living, the, living it out. I see you. I got you, man. Um, but we also have another guest joining us this week, a very special guest star that we've been trying to get around to organizing this for a minute for. Um, joining us, none other than is Chris Bartlett who is actually in Kenobi. Uh, he's in the first two episodes. He's also in The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett. He's in other work of Lucasfilm as well. Uh, welcome to the show, Chris. How are you doing? Thanks, Max. It's great to be with you guys today. I, um, uh, yeah, I, I have uh, also made home-cooked meals, but that's because I have four kids and, uh, and <laughs> have some experience anyway. I love hearing that you guys are having this brand new experience of <laughs> make cooking your own meals <laughs> good for you it Baby truly step. is a, a wonderful lesson <laughs> um let's go ahead and get ready to talk about obi-wan kenobi but first uh chris we had a couple questions for you that we prepared if you wouldn't mind answering these and let's going go over some of your work with lucasfilm um, um first up i wanted to ask you because you're in all these different projects and whatnot with them what are some of the major differences for you between playing a bounty hunter like Zero in The Mandalorian and a protocol droid in like the Book of Boba Fett? Well, uh, what's cool for me is that uh, I play all of the droids and also mm. play some. But when, when you get to uh, play all the droids, you get to um, uh, make all of their personalities different, you know? So... Um, you know, uh, the traffic droid you're referring to in Book of Boba Fett was, um, you know, the way that I played him and worked with Robert Rodriguez on that, you know, it's, uh, he's, he's a loosely jointed, worn out kind of a droid, right? He, uh, he's all grimy and, 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 uh, probably a couple frozen joints, but, you know, he's stuck there on Tatooine and, and he gets caught in this high speed speeder chase. Uh, <laughs> and probably run over and and dismantled by uh you know but i made it out alive so you know in that one i i play him very differently than i play say zero who is a cold calculating mercenary droid um who is smarter than everyone in the room and uh and uh has faster responses as well and so uh, um you know i play him very very calculating and and uh and smooth in his motions maybe a little snappy um, definitely not as goofy as maybe the, the protocol droid on Tatooine. Uh, but you know, then there's others. I played teachers, bartenders, uh, bounty hunters, mm -hmm. um, uh, interpreters, you know, and so it's cool to be able to, let's see, who else? Anybody? Uh, former Imperial or yeah, former Imperial droids. Um, you know, so it's fun to make them all different. That's awesome, man. That's that's dope. You get to play, you know, such a wide variety. Just kind of in the droid category. I love it. I love it. Not limited to one. Play Alien Sight. Um, Want to make sure, you know, that's in there. I don't just do droids. But I do have a particular set of skills, Max. And so that is... Um, <laughs> 
Um, that is uh, something that I've been doing a lot of lately. Awesome, man. Um, Danilo, you're up. Yeah, question. So obviously, you know, with new technology, new ways of making movies, the big thing that came out of The Mandalorian was the volume. And so what was it like working in that new technology? Danilo, you have imagined um, being in Star Wars, right? Yeah. At some point in your life. Um, this makes it unnecessary to imagine it. It is. It looks and feels like reality all around you um, visually. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, when I was little, I would make a cardboard box and cut windows out of it and, and draw buttons on it and stuff. And that was my spaceship. You know, I, my, I could pretend enough to the point where I'm like, yeah, but now I'm in a ship, right? That, that seemed real. Now, um, I actually am in a cockpit, the Razor Crest, and then I actually am in space. I'm surrounded by a, a real cockpit in real space, and the stars are moving. And and when I say uh, jumping to hyperspace now, and I, you know, pre- you know, as soon as I say the words, all the all the stars stretch to infinity, just like you you uh, see in Star Wars. So it's you don't even have to pretend, and it's like the most fun ride or disney attraction you could imagine um you know you're you're you know there's there's one uh in book of boba fett i also played an alien on the elevator with mando so i get on the elevator and we have this awesome uh awkward moment and we were just standing there we just walked in stood there but and then we ride the elevator to the top and then he gets off and i go go do my thing um but you know as actors we're just standing there and the entire background is all moving you know, so it, it and that's the volume. Um, so it's an incredible um, way to help the the actors and those making the film to um, or show uh, really feel like they're in the in the real environment. That sounds that's incredible, awesome. man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is, and then you can just focus on. You don't have to focus on trying to imagine that. Oh, there's a something uh, there's an environment here or whatever uh, or there's a ship here or there's a creature here you can focus on your uh, performance in in being as real and truthful to your character as possible in that moment so you know it's less for the for the actor to do and more so he can or she can focus on on the actual character so I don't know if that if that makes sense that sounds incredible man very uh, obviously very immersive Sounds like quite a like a helping hand too to be in that universe, you know, just kind of sealing uh, the deal as well. You know, I was I was there with oh, with uh, Ewan um, on the volume, mm-hmm. and he was about what it was like to be in just a green room with nothing, you know, maybe a tennis ball, you know. But uh, he was talking about how different and and amazing it was to be like you know on a real set and with a real uh environment as far as you can see it was it was really cool i felt very fortunate and i'm so grateful to to have uh be able to work with this technology anyway on this show as an actor that sounds great man um one thing i want to ask you about that's pretty neat i don't think a lot of people know about you um so we we met this year at star wars celebration anaheim specifically at the swa unite shout out to my friend andy link down below to their website great guys um, but we met there, and at this event, it kind of clicked, because you were on stage giving this speech, kind of like a Q&A, discussing some of your career. 
And you mentioned that you had done work as C-3PO under Lucasfilm. And then it had clicked that we had met years prior at an event in 2010 at Star Wars in concert. Um, the little aren't you? It's crazy, man. Absolutely crazy. Um, so what is it like being able to work as C-3PO, being able to play this character for other things that are not just the movies and the shows, but like, and also how did you get into that role of C-3PO? Because pretty much Anthony Daniels, you know, is the main guy for him. Right, right. And so, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's character. And so, uh, you know, playing someone else's character, you want to do your best, um, you know, to pay homage to that performance that he's given um, and and also to George's creation of that character. So you never want to do anything that's inappropriate for that character. You Mm -hmm. only want to do things that that character would do, say things that he would say. And um, and I really try and and uh you know like i said pay the most respect to this really uh, iconic character who the, you know the first uh star wars films were from the 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 point of view of the droids they were mm-hmm. uh, you know kind of placed into um experiences that that they were not meant for or programmed for like you know uh i mean r2 was as flying ships and stuff but 3po you know an interpreter his primary um, primary programming is for etiquette and protocol and not space adventure or, you know, space travel. So anyway, uh, I, I try to make every performance as, as close to, uh, Anthony Daniels performance as possible and, and pay respect to that, to that character in every way. Um, that's the first question you asked. The second, uh, is, um, well, and, and what it's like is also, you know, being in this character, what, what I love about costume work uh, is that, you know, the costume does some of the work for you. If you mm-hmm. if you are playing uh, C-3PO, everybody recognizes that character. And so you're, you know, ha- you know half of the work is already done in, in terms of getting people to believe that you're this character. Um, and then the rest of it is is doing the voice correctly or doing all of his mannerisms correctly or noticing something in the room that seems out of place or <laughs> arguing with R2 or whatever. Um, so it's it's uh, it can be claustrophobic if you are, or it can cause that kind of a feeling if you're not used to it. Because all you can see out of, if you look at a picture of C-3PO, is the little black dots in the center of his eyes. That's all mm. you can see through, and they're like, they're like drinking straws. They're only about, I don't know, three quarters of an inch long and you're looking through those. So, uh, but what I do is I focus on everything that's outside. I can see people smiling. I can see a cool environment. I can see other droids or characters or, you know, I mean, I can see Star Wars out there. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's a uh, part of what it's like to be, to be, um, playing him. Um, how did I get started was I really loved to build costumes. That was my, that was my passion was okay. building costumes. So I was like a fan. I would build costumes and go to, uh, go to conventions and, uh, and play my character, whoever I was, you know, costuming as. If it was a stormtrooper, I would stay in character and talk like a stormtrooper. Like, all right, we'll check it out. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, uh, 
if I was Boba Fett or if I was a Tuscan Raider or whatever, uh, I would stay in character. And I was performing because I really loved, I wanted the character or the costume because I put all this time into building the costume, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times at conventions you see uh, people who've put so much time into building the costume and then they kind of forget about the character. Like, how would this character move, or what would he talk, how would he talk, and what would he say, and stuff like that. You know, it's kind of like, all right, let's take a picture with this character, and you kind of stand, like, in a prom photo. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, cool action, you know. So I'll talk about that later. But, uh, so I really worked on that, and and um, trying to be entertaining, you know, at these mm -hmm. conventions, for, for people maybe not in costume, or maybe other people in costume, you know. Um, I'm kind of a nerd that way. And so... Uh, I, I built uh, over the course of three years in 2003, uh, I built my own C-3PO costume. And uh, that is a whole, that could be a whole show just talking about that, but I'll just shorten it. That I built the <laughs> costume in okay, three years. And then uh, Lucasfilm found out about it and they invited me to come to Lucasfilm to audition as C-3PO. And in those days, um, I... Uh, I, the the way that I got the call was because originally I had done an appearance as just a five hundred first member. My mm -hmm. number is TK09, um, and uh, as a as a five hundred first number, they had invited some people there to, uh, you know, I don't know, patrol the parking lot during this media event, you know, and so the uh, it was at Lucasfilm, and then you meet and then you meet people there, and then uh, you become friends, and then it eventually passion conversations come up and and they and uh, we were talking about building costumes so anyway when i finished mine uh one of my friends there had had called me and um or emailed me and said we'd like you to come down for an audition <clears throat> and um so i did and uh but the costume wasn't fully finished i had only been get, gotten it chromed and i needed to still assemble it after like when you paint a car you take all the stuff off and then you yeah. paint it and then stuff on that was that was kind of the situation i had to reassemble it and they said that's fine uh we'll we'll have a spot for you here at lucasfilm to finish building the costume to finish assembling it so i mean that was the pinnacle of my at that point fandom that i was finishing building a c-3po costume at lucasfilm uh then they put it on me and and uh lock it lock it all together and turn on the lights and i said oh, my goodness why hello i am c-3po human cyborg relations and they said, oh, cool, you can do the voice. That's great. That's a bonus. So then uh, we flew off to Australia to do this first event, which was like an audition. The The event was like an audition. Um, Lexi, I love, I love seeing you giggling there. Um, uh, anyway. I don't know what's going on here. Thanks for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, and uh, anyway, so uh, after we did that, I, it was it was a the the um, event was a media event where C3PO was explaining this kind of game system for of uh, Star Wars Galaxies, and they had a voice track pre-recorded, and then I did all the animation, and uh, in the suit, and it it, it made a, a a really good impression on the on the uh, you know the media there, and they were wondering how this was possible, and it was like you know, it's magic, it's Star Wars. <laughs> And um, so anyway, then after that, uh, they kept calling me. And now it's been, I'm in my 17th year um, with, with this character. Again, someone else's character. And 
Uh, and so what I do is is now uh, they call me for everything that is outside of the films. Okay. So, so uh, Anthony, you know, uh, obviously does the films, and then mm -hmm. I do uh, appearances on the Oscars or Super Bowl commercials or special appearances on Lego Masters or whenever the droids appear on television um, in any form or live action, uh, then that's me in the suit. Okay, man. That's, that's awesome. That's really yeah. awesome being able to hear that story, actually. I get to pick it out and see who's <laughs> you yeah. or Anthony Daniels. <laughs> Yeah, well, we try to make it simple. He does the films, and I do. Yeah. So uh, if you go watch Lego Masters on Hulu, um, uh, season one, there was a, a Star Wars episode. I think it was episode nine. And uh, C-3PO and R2 and BB-8 come out as guests, guest stars on the show. And and uh, Lego Masters is a um, building competition reality mm -hmm. show. Reality show. And uh, what it is is uh, people build Lego, and uh, in a certain amount of time, and they have to do a certain theme, and and um, and it's one episode. C three PO and R two come out, and uh, we're just talking to the builders about their builds, and I'm joking with Will Arnett, and it was all ad lib, and it was uh, you know I tried to do everything the way that three PO would do it and say it, and what he would talk about, and there was so much that didn't make it into the show because there was just so much. We 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 talked about you know what war is like and battles and that that empires versus rebellions are really just people who are you know individuals and then there's ewoks who are doing their best to try and fight an empire with what they have and we anyway we just discussed all that stuff and um a lot of it uh, a lot of it made it on the show so uh, anyway you can go check that out that's so cool i remember uh seeing tv spots for the episode specifically yeah. Yes, that's, that's pretty awesome. Hmm. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do too. It's fun. It's a dream. Danilo. So. Yeah, oh. you know what I remember is seeing C three PO and R two D two at the Oscars. Yes. So was that, was that you then at the Oscars? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. what was that like to attend that? Because that's an well, that's a big thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, you know. Um, uh doing doing that appearance was again i feel like every time i get a call it's like it's the best thing i've ever done you know <laughs> um and so what what we did was you know when you when you're backstage at the oscars you see you know uh big big magic makers like lady gaga or or uh brad pitt or you know di different people you don't see people in lady gaga costume or you don't see a person in a Brad Pitt costume, right? You see a person. So when you see 3PO and R2 backstage at the Oscars, you see them. You don't see a guy walking around in a costume with his head off or whatever. And so uh, R2 and 3PO were walking around arguing, obviously, lost, you know. Well, of course, this is your fault. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and and so we're, we're just... Uh, you know, we're, uh, they're they're walking around. They're trying to find their way. Is this a droid maintenance facility? Anyway, uh, and 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 so it creates this really special. The droids, when you see them, it, it really creates a special uh, moment because everybody back there <laughs> who's making movies uh, recognizes them, and so for them, you get to uh, you know make magic for these magic makers, and so that was really satisfying and awesome um you know 
R2 uh, speaks one language. 3PL speaks now over 7 million forms of communication, if you refer to the sequel films. Um, and so, you know, when he's, when R2 is beeping, you know, 3PO has to interpret what R2 is saying. Mm-hmm. So imagine what that moment might be like for a performer, right? Yeah. You're, you're making up the entire conversation, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, um, uh, thankfully, R two sometimes takes a little longer to do his beeps, and then and then you uh, you know have a little extra time to like figure out what's going on, um, right? And so anyway, that that was the most fun to to make. You know, you you run into Christopher Walken or whatever, and he's like, "Hello," and I said, "Hello, <laughs> Master Christopher," <laughs> you know, and so it's the best. That sounds that's great. great. Yeah, that's crazy. Quick question. Mm-hmm. So how do your kids react to all this? Because I'm like fangirling over here. I'm sure they are so impressed with their dad. <laughs> well, thank that's uh that's a natural question. Um I think I my 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 kids like Star Wars, okay, and, and they're Star Wars fans. Um I think probably mm, if we had to compare, probably not as much as me. Um, but, you know, they do really love Star Wars, and that's great. Um, but I think their friends probably think that it's cooler than maybe they do. Because, you know, they know, or or me being on the shows, uh, they know me as dad. Okay? Dad who likes wearing costumes, or building costumes, or, you know, really likes Star Wars. So... It's like, oh yeah, dad's doing that that thing over there, you know. Um, but to their friends, they're like, wait, what? You know. Um, so, the, used to it. <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's like that with anyone, you know. I I think you know you and McGregor's kids probably. I'm not speaking for them, but you know they're like, yeah, that's dad, you know. Mm-hmm. And also, this is what he does for work, but you know, yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, I think if if I could if if I could get my kids on set at any point, I think they might have a little more appreciation for one the the physical uh, work that goes into it, um, physically demanding work that goes into it. But then also like how many people it takes to make a show or a film, you know. So maybe when they get older, that's still cool though, man. That's that's awesome. <laughs> Um, I have one last question for you, Chris, but real quick, Brian, do you have any questions you'd like to ask Chris as well? Um, uh, no, but I'll, uh, let's, or, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's thousands of questions, but I'll do this one. Cause I'm actually interested that, uh, Danilo had out in here. Um, what was it like working with, uh, Deborah Chow? I, she's mm-hmm. uh, an amazing director. Um, I knew her first from doing some work, um, in the Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul world. So, um, that was kind of what I had recognized from her so when she came into star wars i was very excited about that and then we saw what she did uh with the mandalorian and then obviously took on the helm of the obi-wan kenobi show uh so what was it like working with her um deborah is awesome she uh she knows exactly what she wants um hang on just a second yeah um and uh she she knows exactly what she wants and she will tell you because she's a director a talented very talented director and uh she's um, 
very serious about her work because she wants to do a good job. You know, it's a big responsibility to um, to tell new Star Wars stories, and uh, and she she wants to do a good job, just like all of us do on set. You know, she also comes from Marvel. She does. She's done Marvel TV, and uh, and so when I when I was working with her, you know, she one day as Zero when I was doing some of the cockpit uh, filming, mm-hmm. and crest she's she's just outside the window right there you know with a camera right there and she goes all right chris i want give me that zero energy and like other people on the set <laughs> what do you want him to do is there and I, I but i totally got it yes zero energy i totally got this um i knew exactly what you meant you know uh and it was fun to be able to have that um speak that language with her you know she uh wanted me to you know really move like a machine and uh try and not be able to see any human in uh in him uh but then when i worked with her on on obi-wan kenobi that was when i played one jack um and uh and she said give me that hunter energy chris so she's all about like i don't just want to see you do things i don't i don't want to just hear you say things i want to feel the energy of this character which is um i think really helpful for a for an actor uh, to think of it at, at a higher level, you know. I mean, that's what we're trying to do with all characters. But uh, it was great. So, uh, yeah, I loved loved working with her. She's so again, she's very she's very sweet, but also very serious. And I love that combination. You know, she's so talented and very um, technically um, minded when it comes to performance. And it was really cool. That's awesome! Awesome! awesome. Yeah. Um, the last question I want to go ahead and ask you, Chris, and you brief- briefly uh, spoke about this earlier in this interview. Um, do you have any favorites, like for your roles in Star Wars that you perform? Because obviously, you talked about you know some of the backstories you've made up of certain characters in your head, or like the variety of droids and aliens you've played over the years. Is there any one favorite that you have? Um, there, you know, C three PO is the most notable, and also I, I would say there are favorite things about him because everybody recognizes him and so they have this expectation of like you know i I don't think they expect him to talk when when they meet c-3po um just because it's real life it's a costume Mm -hmm. you know uh but then you know when i i say uh why hello miss lexi i am c-3po you know um you know they they um all of a sudden you get this pure moment of happiness and and this what's happening to me right now (laughs) uh, you and and you both feel it you know like the actor feels it and and the person is meeting this character so that's part of what i love and all you know the majority of that work is created by anthony daniels and george lucas uh you know they've done the, the 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 all of the work for that character for that moment for people to feel that you know my part is a small part that is uh, just extending that character in into real life with with people um so that's what i love so much about him is when people see him they they already have a love for him right but when you create a new character you know like q90 um you have to uh i'm i'm making it up you know myself so how does he move how does he 
uh, look at people? How does he glare at people, you know, with those big bug eyes? Um, so what I loved about him is that he's kind of a bad guy, which mm-hmm. makes him more interesting, I think. I, I don't know, not more interesting. He's different interesting, you know? Um, because, like, what are what are his motivations? With, with 3PO, you know what his motivations are. His, it's etiquette and protocol. And, like, why am I in this situation? This is This is so not what I'm here for, you know? Like, you understand where he's coming from, but, but with Q90, um, you know, he's a mercenary. He does whatever someone pays him to do, but he also has this really particular, like I said, set of skills that make him dangerous for <laughs> people around him. And uh, that's, uh, so I really liked creating his movements and uh, also, you know, when I'm on set, I uh, I do all the lines for all my characters, even if they're going to be dubbed over by another actor. Mm. And so for for Q90, I did a really. Uh, they just said he he had a, a British accent, Cockney accent, and just looking at him, I gave him like a, a deep kind of gravelly voice. And uh, and and then I I also put into the costume I put a uh, microphone and a voice amp so that the other actors could hear me speaking. And, um, and, uh, I would just stay in character, you know, so, uh, uh, you know, I'm, the thing is, okay. So to answer your question, uh, I like both of them for different reasons. I loved Q90 because I could, he was my own and, uh, and hit me so, so interesting. But anyway, there's a whole bunch more that I could talk about, but that <laughs> briefly. Yeah. No, it's cool hearing, you know, going into detail about him, man. I'm a, I imagine you must feel like a kid almost, you know, being in this. In the volume, especially, because you're like you I, said earlier, you're in Star Wars. I am a kid, Max, so uh, that <laughs> yeah, it's easy to feel that way. Um, you know, uh, let's see. Yes, in the volume, in a ship. Uh, what's cool about Zero is I got to have a shootout in the streets of Navarro. Mm-hmm. Was it really Q nine Zero, or was it just another bounty hunter? Uh, I don't know. We'll have to ask Dave Filoni. Uh, but in Episode Three, I appear in a very, very, very similar looking costume um, as one of the, the bounty hunters who are, are uh, closing in on the Mandalorian. And um, so I got to have a, street, a a real Star Wars shootout. You know, I have my own blaster. I There's, you know, uh, there's stuff is exploding. There's, you know, uh, blaster marks hitting the ground, dirt's flying up. I mean, it's like, I can't tell you how happy I was to be in that moment. Um, and then, uh, but then also, yeah, I got to fly the ship. I got a magnificent death, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as when I, when I was, uh, hunting the child and, um, uh, so those were all reasons that were, but, but again, also because I got to, uh, to make him up and, uh, you want to hear how I came up with his personality? His, his, oh, of how course. I yeah. Please. <laughs> I'd love to know. The first to go on is he's one a bounty hunter two he's a droid three he looks like a bug okay so when i first went in for my screen test i was thinking okay bounty hunter droid that's like a mixture of boba fett and c-3po right so he might have some 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 droid like movements but he's also cool and maybe calculated like boba fett that was just i i just was like i'm just gonna try this so then i did that and then after I got done with the screen test, um, I didn't know if I got it or not, but I went home and watched a bunch of, you know, 
I know this is only a podcast, but I'm holding up a holding up my action <laughs> figure. You know, Q90. Look, he looks like his face looks like a praying mantis, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I went home and watched videos of praying mantises, and uh, I didn't know if I got it or not. I was just like, I'm really interested in this character. Uh, what what if they called me back? What would I? How would I act the next time? And so, if you go watch praying mantis videos, they are really kind of scary, spooky, creepy, <laughs> almost machine-like um, in their movements. You know, all their limbs move separately from each other. Their, their head will hold still while their body's moving. Anyway, um, they're really weird looking. And so I I, um, I, I made all of my movements uh, based on basically a praying mantis at, after that point. So his head will snap, you know, but he he will stay, you know, as he walks by, uh, he'll glare at you, and his and his body keeps going, you know. Mm-hmm. And it made really great, um, you know. Even with the cast and the crew, I would stay kind of in character that way. Not not method, you know, if you know what, what that term means. Uh, you know, it's not like I never came out of character, but I, I, you only have the time on set to really build, kind of practice or rehearse what you want the character to be like, because the rehearsals are like all right, we're going to say our lines, we're going to hit our marks, we're going to move over here, we're going to shoot this or whatever. Um, but in terms of like the actual character of how you're going, to, what this energy is going to be like, you only have the time when they, from when they put on the costume to to work on that. And so I just did that the, all day. Even when they're not filming, I would walk around and I'd go up to somebody and I'd say, you know, this ship is still quite a mess. And then I'd walk away, you know? <laughs> and... Uh, um, but anyway, that was, he was, he was my favorite, uh, for that reason. That's awesome. So. That is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get over I that. One last quick question though, because on a smaller scale, I was a theater kid in huh? high school and <laughs> in uh, college and stuff. Yeah. I've always been super shy and it was always really hard for me to get into any sort of character, uh, because I, I always end up like picturing myself in a weird way and then i get like embarrassed Mm -hmm. how did you combat that yeah have you were you always a theater kid did you always you know what i mean like did you have a method behind getting into that character and not feeling embarrassed i guess (laughs) one of them one of the very first skills you learn as an actor is to be okay making a fool of yourself right so yeah, that just takes practice, Lexi. That's not, that's not, you're not born with that. That is just, uh, that just takes practice. You know, like being, being, just trusting that what you're about to do has never been seen before, or it's going to be uh, something that's going to be entertaining, even mildly, you know? Um, and if there's people who are like uh, laughing at you or whatever, you know what? They're not doing this. I'm the only one who's doing this in this moment right now. You're just sitting there in the seats, right? So I'm the one who's working and it's my job to entertain you. If you are laughing, mission accomplished. You felt something with something I saw. If you thought it was goofy and dumb, you felt something, right? And if you thought that it was really cool, then you felt something. If you were crying, then you also felt something. If you're, if you hate my character, I did the work. You you were supposed to hate my character. So anyway, and by hate it, I mean like if I'm playing a villain. 
and if I'm playing a clown and you hate me, uh, still, if you if these people feel something after your performance, you've done what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So that's one way that I got around, you know, just thinking of it that way. Um, and but the other part is like in costume, uh, you know, the the you are wearing a helmet, right? So or you're wearing a mask. So you some of the work is being done here. Um, but it's up to you to push the character through that mask to, to the audience and make them feel something. So, but no, I, I wasn't a drama kid. I wasn't a theater kid. Um, I was a musician, so I was used to being on stage, but not in, not, you know, and if I messed up, yeah, that's kind of similar to if you forget a line or something, but, um, no, I, uh, I always wanted to be in Star Wars (laughs) and, but I didn't know how. I would get into it, you know. I, I had I started a family younger, and and as a you know twenty seven year old, and then uh, and and then was working, you know. And so, but eventually, uh, you know, after I would do my work, my day job, then I would go home and put the kids to bed, and then I would be out in the garage building costumes. And so then that 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 just was a super big passion of mine, and then that led to uh, building building costumes now for for Disney for the shows um, and uh, so as a, as a as an actor though I just had to learn it like no every every skill people have to learn you know and, and we're as actors we still go to acting classes we still um, talk to acting coaches we still watch tutorials on you know and and read things about different ways to approach a scene or a character so every everything you want to do if there's anything that listeners could take away from this anything you want to do uh everybody has to learn it you know and everything can be learned and you know you might say oh somebody's somebody's born with that talent like nobody's born with a talent that that makes them an expert you know they may they may have like a a a passion for it or maybe they have um a gift for memorizing lines or something you know but 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 they can't go into any show or any film and any script and and just memorize the whole thing right the first way first try. So it all takes learning and and don't be ashamed to uh, to admit that, that that you don't know how to do something and you just you're gonna learn it because we all do. Inspirational. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> I got one also. If you don't know what your passion is, okay. Because, you know, we say like, oh, do what, do what you're passionate about and you'll be happy. You know? um, what if you don't know? What if you're 12 and you don't know what you're passionate about? You're passionate about playing Minecraft, you know, like what, 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 what are you passionate about? So there are things that you are curious about, okay? There may be 10 things that you're curious about uh, that you might maybe want to learn more about. Maybe marine biology or maybe about, you know, acting or maybe about sound design or whatever. Um, Learn a little bit more about each of those things, okay? And as you do, you will find, oh, I want to learn more about this thing. Oh, man, I learned that thing. Now I want to learn more about it, you know? The ones, the things that stand out, maybe not all of them, probably not all of them are going to be, not all the things you're curious about are going to grow into your passion. But one or two of those things are, and those things, those maybe one or two things will grow into your passion and, and, and you'll know it because you'll always want to, you'll want to learn continually more about that thing. And so then the thing that you 
um, so the thing you're learning more about and you discover is your passion. Then, then it's like, um, I want to, I want to do this for a living. You, then you discover the thing you'd like to do. Um, what about if there's, you can't figure out how, how you could do this for a living. It doesn't matter. Just keep doing it. Just make stuff or make your own stuff or do your own thing where you're practicing it or learning more about it. Anyway, then it turns into, uh, that that's how you discover your passion is the things that you're curious about. Yeah, that's, that's inspirational, man. Like, like you said, Alexi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I need to hear that's that really today. Great I advice. Like. Thank you. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, this is, this is, this is awesome. I'm, I'm a bit fanboying over here myself, Lexi. I feel you. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah, Chris, thank you for taking the time to answer those questions, man. That's I'm well, great hearing, you know, all your input, especially about, you know, the different characters you played throughout the years in this franchise. Um, obviously we're all fans you know like you know you're living our dreams right now which is awesome to hear <laughs> i'm so happy to hear that i'm and i'm glad you guys are watching because there's there's uh we wouldn't have a show without without fans like us watching you mm-hmm. know and it it like i said it does take a lot of work to to write a show to uh to you know film it to build it to create the sets and everything and we work on a lot of practical sets so um, you know, we wouldn't have a show if you weren't watching. All that work would be for not if you guys you know, weren't watching. You know, some you're gonna, some episodes you're gonna like, some you're not gonna like. Some are for different audiences, and you know, whatever. But you know, we're we're doing the work to make something to make help you feel something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we appreciate, we really do appreciate you watching. And there's there's lots more coming that that we've already finished that uh i can't wait for you to see we can't wait to see it, awesome. of course man i <laughs> can't wait um well guys for our listeners real quick we're gonna go ahead and go over our rating system like we usually do every week around this time we're also gonna go over our stream of the week for you and go ahead and take a quick break when we come back from this break we're gonna go ahead and begin and talking obi-wan kenobi we'll be right back guys oh hi mark The Galaxy of Film rating system is based off planets featured within the Star Wars films. From our highest rating to lowest, here is the order in which we rate these films. Number 5. Coruscant, the entire planet is one big city. Number 4. Bespin, it's pretty far, but I think we can make it. Mining colony? Yeah, Tabana gas mine. Number 3. Like you did by the lake on the boo. Number 2. Set your course for the Hawk system. And lastly, number one. Got to get back to Jakku. Back to Jakku! Why does everyone want to go back to Jakku? Hey, what's up, guys? This is the one and only Dakari Holder reporting to you live from my dorm room, whatever. And I'm here to talk about my stream of the week for this week's episode. And it happens to be a little film called Pootie Tang. It came out in, I think, 2004, early 2000s. I'm not exactly sure when it came out. But it's a very special movie. It's more like a parody, satirical type film. It, it's Think of it as Austin Powers meets Rudy Ray Moore and Dolomite. If you put, put those two together, you get Pootie Tang. It's many things. It's a satire, it's a comedy, it's a mockumentary, it's a... It's an action movie, it's a drama, it's, it really 
it, it blends all these genres together in such an incredible fashion. I give it a best spin, even though it's cheesy as hell, but that's the point. It doesn't take itself seriously. Highly recommend it. All right, guys, and we're back from our break. Danilo, I think you know what time it is, man. It's recap time. So we open up, dude, with Order 66. Pretty cool, because we get different shots from what, you know, we had. Mm. And we kind of get some Anakin in there, too. The 501st is back. It was a great time to be a kid, especially if you were a prequels kid. Um, and we see this little girl, whatever, but we don't know much about her. And then we flash back, we flash, you know, like all these years later to Obi-Wan. He's just chilling in the desert, what have you. This is episode one, chilling in the desert. We get a big twist um, in this, where, in this episode, where Leia is like young Leia's in this entire thing, which was kind of kept secret with build up and trailers and everything as well. So that was pretty cool. We see some old faces there again. Uh, and we find that Bail Organa is in this and visits uh, Obi-Wan and is like, you know, you have to rescue Leia because she actually got taken. And that was the end of episode one. Episode two, um, we go to this planet because Obi-Wan's like, you know, he's a little hermit crab and he's like, oh no, I have to go like, you know, be my old Jedi self again. And we're like, all right, here comes the show now. And so he goes and he's like trying to find young Leia who's taken by these body, like bounty hunters. Um, or no, yeah, they were bounty hunters, weren't they? Were they just mercenaries? I think they were just mercenaries, yeah. Well, mercenaries, bounty hunters, it, mm. you know, whatever. Um, anyway, though, Obi-Wan has to go to this little town, and he's like, the town looks pretty sweet, dude. Like, the town's dope. New little planet. Um, he goes and he, like, puts on, like, some kung fu fi st fighting style, because, uh, he's just not in tune with the Force at this moment yet. Mm. And he then has to be, because he saves Leia from falling to her death. And he has a big shootout everything like that and we get more of the inquisitors are in there everything like that then we get and they escape um and then we get the big news after episode two that obi-wan didn't know but we all knew because you know we don't live in the star wars universe unfortunately is that obi-wan's little padawan is alive and well and known as now darth vader and this is a shock to obi-wan himself because he's now attuned with the force and he now feels anakin and anakin then feels him and he's in his little Baca tank, right? Bacta, Baca. Yeah, yeah, from Rogue One. Yeah, he's just straight chilling. Um, then we get to, uh, you know, they land on this mining planet because um, they're just trying to find some safe patches back home and they can't use the regular trade routes or else it's like, you know, too obvious. So they do that. Um, the Inquisitors are coming. Tala, we get a member, is working, is under cover for, uh, who is it? The, Imp the Empire. She's helping Obi-Wan and um, Young Leia escape. Young Leia gets taken by Reva. And then we get a first duel between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader, Master and Apprentice. And Obi-Wan kind of gets burnt. Kind of gets burnt? <laughs> yes, yeah, kind of gets burnt. I get burnt. Marshmallows. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> um, Danilo, you know, you and I are obviously, you know, prequel kids. Of course, Lexi as well. Um, but like, this is something whenever we first met at like Chicago celebration, 2019, like we always were talking about Kenobi, wanting something Kenobi, wanting more Ewan, more and more, uh, first like expectations for this show before it dropped. What were you expecting of this? Um, I guess just, I don't know, just to see those two back, like really, like that was my star Wars growing up and that it was like the greatest time for me to be alive. Um, 2005, you know, everything, action figures, Lego sets, video games, all that stuff, just those two characters and to have them come back for a show, pretty, pretty epic. So I was really excited. I was really excited to see you and back as well. Um, okay. cause he's teased on it for many years too. 
you know, or maybe not teased, but just like was saying he would like to come back. And, you know, obviously now there's a more welcoming reception with the prequels. So it was it was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lexi, what about you? What were your initial like thoughts going into this? You know, your hopes for it? Because a long time ago, which does it, it was that a year ago when that trailer dropped, Nilo, for, for Kenobi, the first one? Yeah, actually, yeah, I actually think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, wow. a while ago, you came on the show to talk about the trailer for Kenobi. So, like, aside from that recording, what we talked about there, is there anything that stood out for you going into this series that you were hoping for? I was scared it was going to be too fanservice-y, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it, it ended up being perfect, and I was so over the moon by the whole thing, seeing uh, Ewan McGregor and uh, Hayden Christensen back again. It just, everything made my heart happy about it, the whole thing. <laughs> I just, it was perfect. <laughs> And Brian, what about you, Mandy? Do you have any expectations going into this thing? Yeah, I mean, uh, of of course you get, like, baked-in expectations, right? So basically, uh, ever since um, Return of the Jedi came out, uh, you know, everyone had been thinking about what Obi-Wan Kenobi did all that time on Tatooine while Luke was growing up until that fateful day, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, you definitely have some expectations. There's the really excellent um, Kenobi novel uh, by John Jackson Miller um, mm -hmm. that kind of sets a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of groundwork so you're like i don't know you know if it's going to follow this book if it's going to be um its own thing but i you know the hype level you know instantly goes through the roof as soon as you know we're getting you in and uh hayden back in this thing so okay well you know there's got to be some reason for them to meet and then you know it's just you know crazy speculation what kind of story is this going to be where is it going to take place how how are these things going to happen so i mean yeah i mean it's is just insane like everyone's kind of thoughts and emotions and um excitement for the show coming um and like you said you know that that trailer came out and we got teased and uh you know kathleen kennedy teased it and you know ewan's always you know taking his opportunity to kind of drop a little nugget that he'd love to come back and do it and um obviously that's that's the case so then you know we're just left waiting <laughs> just waiting for this thing to come out you know and then uh finally it did you know earlier this year so yeah man um, i'm glad you mentioned some of those books actually i read a few of those as a kid they're pretty good actually you know, there's um, even some comic stuff, which is pretty weird and interesting, where he's on Tatooine for that time period. Like, it goes against uh, uh, Nashada Het, I think's his name, the Tusken Raider Jedi from Force... Uh, mm. What was it? Uh, mm -hmm. Legacy? I think it was called? Star Wars... Yeah, Star Wars Legacy was the series. Yeah, Legacy, that's yeah. Enough. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I was scared, dude. Thinking, you know, it could... It was just going to go somewhere totally out of left field. Um, I wasn't expecting the Leia relationship we saw or that whole storyline so like it subverted my expectations in a wonderful way but like i don't i didn't know what to expect of this and i think that was like my overall feeling for it was just almost scared you know i was either going to get something super super dark was that was that would have ruined my view or my my vision of obi-wan i don't know um could have been too light-hearted you know and just done something i don't want to say not justifiable but like there was a lot of risk of this one for sure. Um, yeah, I was scared of this, 100% going into it, for real. <laughs> um, Chris, I'm curious for you specifically, though, because, like, you're in the first two episodes of Kenobi. So right. what was it like when you got that call? Like, what was that process like for Kenobi specifically? Um, <clears throat> well, I can't, I can't share exactly how the process goes, okay. but I, I knew that how, who the characters were going to be. And what I was uh, 
really excited about was that we were going to finally get to see a LOM class droid um, in action. You know, in you know, for Lom in the Empire Strikes Back, he he just stood there holding his blaster. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. get to see him move. But you know, there's been comics and books and images and paintings and all kinds of graphic art and everything showing, you know, him in action. We'll say with Zuckus, you know, and and uh, I was just so excited to to bring a character that that is this class of droid into you know full action, you know. Um, I just posted uh, last night on my Instagram a um, behind the scenes of One Jack, um, and so you have to go check that out. Um, and uh, of of me uh, filming uh, the the rooftop scene, but yeah. Anyway, I was really excited because uh, at first I thought it was for long, you know, mm. and I think I think a lot of people thought it was <laughs> was before long. Um, even Deborah Chow had to answer a question uh, in an interview with, uh, I think, Hollywood Reporter or Vanity Fair. You know, is Forlom going to be in the show? And um, but anyway, no, it's one Jack. I like to say he's son of Forlom. Um, but uh, then the other one was um, C-3PO, who had a brief cameo in in uh, Episode One, and uh, that was very, very special because, again. Uh, whenever you whenever you get to play this character um, on a set with crew and everybody who's they 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 know they're on Star Wars and it's like you know they're they're meeting their favorite character I don't know I mean he's he's so special so uh, being able to play him on that uh, was was really uh, a dream because it was a narrative you know it wasn't a commercial or it wasn't a reality lego show it was mm-hmm. a star wars real star wars narrative so it was it was very special and you got to see him do what he was programmed to do which was etiquette and protocol and interpreting <laughs> languages right you even get to hear anthony daniel's voice uh uh doing a really uh, brief uh alien language uh translation that was really that was really special too so uh, um yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I going into it, I knew that Leia was going to be, um, you know, I think I, I think a lot of us thought Luke was going to be the big focus, right, mm-hmm. of this of Kenobi, and um, and but going into it, you know, my first day, you know, on set is with Leia and uh, little Leia in the in the uh, that kind of social gathering that with Bail with the, the Organas mm-hmm. and. Um, so I, I just thought this is so neat that we get to see her and she's so uh sassy, the actress um who played her, um uh Vivian. And uh anyway, in real life. And and she loves droids, so every every time you would finish uh we'd finish a shot, she'd run over to one of the astromechs and like sit there and talk to him and like, you know, <laughs> it was so and they're like, okay, Vivian, we're we're ready to go again. Come on. <laughs> but, so, but me as a fan, I really wanted to see. Um, I, I really wanted to see if there was ever going to be any kind of confrontation with Vader because we didn't really have any expectation. You know, we we hear we hear that in in uh, in A New Hope where Vader says. Um, when last we met, I was but a learner, and you were the master. You mm-hmm. know, and now I'm... 
So like, how long ago was that? Which one? Have we seen that one? Have we seen that last meeting yet? You know, when is that going to happen in this show? So that's what I wanted to see. And I felt so satisfied. And we'll talk about that afterwards. Like the, the, the ultimate duel there. I'm glad you brought up the uh, the Forlom theories, though, because <laughs> during our trailer episode for uh, the podcast, we we actually had Forlom theories as well. So I'm glad we're not alone. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah. Danilo, I'm very curious, man. What are, you know, you sit down, you watch the first three episodes. You know, obviously you didn't get to go to Celebration and watch the first two back to back, but you saw them there the next day after I texted you about them. Um, you wait a week later for episode three. What are your thought process? You know, what, what what was going through your mind after watching the first three? Like the Inquisitors, I thought that they I thought that they brought something interesting because I read that mm-hmm. comic book which led up which had all those Inquisitors in it, uh, and those guys were so cool to me. Um, I you know my favorite character is Anakin, and especially Ben when he turns Darth Vader. You know, that's a totally different character as well, um, for sure. So I, I really like that they had them in there. I liked how he went back to Tatooine. I thought that was okay. Um, you know, but I like how we actually saw the Inquisitors, like, doing their job, like, competently. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, we just don't really see that a lot in Star Wars with the bad guys sometimes. It's mm-hmm. so, like, to see, like, actually, like, you know, menacing people do their job right. I was like, all right, like, that's pretty cool. I love seeing that. But for sure, the uh, pendulum or the, you know, big moment, the climax for me was after episode two, um, when we find out Anakin's still alive. You know, like, like that, like that or Obi-Wan finds out Anakin's still alive, because, like, I don't know, for some part of me, I always thought Obi-Wan knew that he was alive. You know, like, I just, like, figured, like, since we know it, Obi-Wan knows it. You know, yeah. like, he doesn't kill his Padawan, you know. I mean, he just left him there, and we didn't see him, like, die, die to an extent. Like, he just got crispy. Um, but, yeah, no, like, that was, that was very interesting, though. Like, and I thought they did it very, very well, directing-wise, editing-wise, sound-wise. Like, to have both their eyes, like, line up you know, when that big reveal happened and we heard, and it eased into Darth Vader with sound, like everything about that, like little, like five second switch that they had, or uh, I don't even know what it's called. Uh, transition from Obi-Wan's eyes to then Vader in the uh, back of the tank. Mm-hmm. All that was just excellent. Like all of it was just executed to, to a T technically and just visually. I feel you. Okay. Okay. Um, Brian, what about you, man? You, you get the first three episodes. What's going through your mind? Yeah, so the first three episodes, I I think, do a perfect job of kind of hitting on uh, kind of the tone that, you know, a lot of people were wanting out of the show, right? You're assuming that you're going to get this very broken version of Obi-Wan. How much is the show going to dwell on it? I know, um, you know, I remember seeing a lot of people saying that that's kind of what they hoped that the whole show was going to be about. But I think that the first episode... Um, really did like the perfect amount of that. It showed you kind of the dark place that he got to um, and what was going to snap him, you know, back into into the light. And obviously that was going to be uh, Leia, little Leia. Um, you know, that's the only thing that could kind of, you know, draw his attention away from watching over Luke was going to be her. So I think that it set up the story in such a really great and compelling way. And then kind of through Leia, we get to see Obi-Wan sort of reclaim you know, kind of his his confidence and his sense of purpose and his sense of mission. Because, you know, in this horrible, tragic tale of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luke and Leia were the bright things that came out of it. Um, mm-hmm. And she was kind of like 
the light that kind of reignited that in him and, you know, propelled him on to, you know, then the Obi-Wan Kenobi we see in A New Hope. So I thought that the first three episodes uh, did did really, really great. Um, made me hate Flea a little bit, not going to lie. Saw Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> over the summer and uh, still not quite over him uh, doing the kidnapping. But yeah, uh, Vivian Lyra Blair, uh, like fearless, amazing. I don't, I can't even begin to imagine like stepping into the shoes of, you know, one of the most iconic characters of all time and just, you know, going to town on it. So uh, hats off to her. Incredible stuff. And yeah, I just I really love the way that it got got set up there for the first three episodes to, you know, kind of get us into this showdown and, you know, the way they were introducing the characters and stuff. It's really great. Yeah, man. Um, little Leia kills it in this show. 100%. I think we're all expecting Luke, especially after seeing Luke briefly in the trailers for this. Um, blew my mind that we saw any of Alderaan. Because, you know, we never really got to see more than that, like, one shot in Revenge of the Sith or two shots or whatever of the city. Other than, I think, a video game? I think in Old Republic we see some Alderaan stuff. Um, that blew my mind. But the fact that, like, not only are we seeing little Layla, Lay- little Layla excuse me, in that episode, but, uh, we're, like, she's with us the entire series. She's a prominent character in this. You know, um... Obviously, Star Wars, you know, is very inspired by samurai films. We've gone over this before, talking about Kurosawa influences, Danilo. Um, but, like, the lone wolf and cub style, where we have, you know, the the single parent or, like, the father character or mother character with the kid, you know, by their side. The Mandalorian and Grogu, to a certain extent, you know, like, Qui-Gon and younger Anakin as well. Um, Obi-Wan and Luke. This is, in my opinion, the... I, I'm going to call it the lone wolf and cub relationship for the hell of it. <laughs> but this is my favorite of that style relationships. We've seen the star Wars. Um, I have a little niece and nephew, you know, my, my little niece is two and a half years old, Ariella. And something about seeing my favorite character in star Wars, who basically not only is Anakin's brother, but like also hinted at like literally their stepbrothers throughout the whole Lars relationship. But seeing basically this man protecting his niece who doesn't even know him or that that's who she or he is to her, that hit super ho- close to home for me. Um, I, I don't know what it was about it, dude. Like, uh, that relationship just sealed the whole deal for me. It had me on the edge of my seat actually caring about um, this journey of getting her home. Despite I knew that she was going to get home, I still cared just because that chemistry was so good between the two of them. Um, yeah, it hits home. It really does for me. And we'll get into like, oh, go ahead, Chris. I was just gonna say, I totally agree with you. The chemistry between you and, and, uh, and Vivian, um, that I loved, you know, Ewan did an amazing job of playing a, a tortured good guy, Mm -hmm. you know, like tortured by the, the, his shame that he felt from, uh, you know, uh, with Anakin and, and, and his failure, you know, uh, as he saw it, um, uh, with Anakin, but then also to learn he was alive and now, now, oh my gosh, what he, you know, that Anakin had survived his terrible, uh, uh injuries, um, inflicted on him by Obi-Wan. So I thought Ewan did an amazing job as a tortured good guy and good man. And then to have him with Vivian, where he was trying to work through that, those feelings, and then also, you know, a little bit of, <laughs> a little bit of hope with her that mm-hmm. maybe he could, uh, maybe make a to- 
a little bit for it, you know, that um, in, in helping her, helping find her, he can't, he can't just neglect her, you know, Anakin's own daughter, you know? So um, I thought that, I thought that was, I, I love that. And the way that, you know, that, that moment where they're, I don't remember what episode it was with the writing on the transport and she like holds his hand and stuff and, and, uh, oh man, it's just, I, I just thought that was, that was one of the best things of the whole episode. The whole show was, was Kenobi and Leia. Absolutely agree. That scene on the transport had me in tears, man. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Um, yeah, Lexi, how are you feeling? What are some of your general thoughts for those first three? I don't obviously know Vivian personally, but uh, I am so proud of that little girl. <laughs> uh, she killed it, and she—it's just like literally little Carrie Fisher. Um, but for the first three, I. I just wanted more. It just made me want more. I, I didn't read much of the, the books, you know, growing up or anything. I had a lot of male friends who did mm. and told me about it years later. Um, so I didn't have that, like, background about the Inquisitors or anything. But once I saw them and I was like, oh, oh, these people might be a little bit scary, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I just, I wanted more. And it... it satisfied me i think is the best word uh, to use everything just satisfied i feel you i feel you um before we begin discussing you know the second half of this show and going on with those other three episodes um there's something with this specifically episode three you gotta talk about and that is the return of darth vader to this this uh this series danilo what were your thoughts on that that entryway for 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 Vader just being an absolute tank for a solid like fifteen minutes? What were your thoughts on that? It, like it's interesting because like we've never seen that. Like we saw it for briefly in Rogue One, maybe a few video games here and there if you played it. But like if you just strictly stuck to you know movies and TV shows, like you only got Rogue One. Mm-hmm. You've never seen Anakin be hardened in as he is in the comics and everything like that, and you see that. But here, like instantly, as soon as he graces, you know, the screen, you see he's a very upset and and troubled uh, guy still. Um, <laughs> and he's he and, he and he's looking for revenge. Right? He is like he's upset and he's like hurt and everything. And he you know and he uses the dark side to take it out on everyone, and he does you know like. And I was surprised to the depths that they pushed it, man. Didn't he, like, kill someone's kid in front of their family? He, at one point, man, he, like, force chokes or force grabs someone by the neck, like, yeah, slams on the ground and drags yeah. them with them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was very surprised that they, like, were willing to show that. But it then added more to Vader's depth and complexity, you know. And he's just looking for revenge at this point. And mm-hmm. it, it's very interesting when you look at this fight then compared to the last one. There's how- nothing I love more than the psychology of Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> I could been- read stuff about that all day long. It's very, very interesting, especially when you then compare it to the last fight and how he's not like that. Oh, in Kenobi, the second yeah, one. Kenobi, okay, yeah, it's, it's the same person and matter of days, but he like it's it's interesting. We'll talk about it when we get there, but no, it is interesting, dude. Um. For for this episode three, like the last chunk of the episode, um, you know we've talked about this before, Daniel. How like everyone kind of hypes Vader up so much, and obviously great villain, arguably the greatest villain all of cinematic history. I feel like, but like like you just said, like we never got to see those like beast 
insane, overwhelming moments of this character ever, other than other medias. Um, yeah, I was in shock seeing this. I've never had another character, especially in Star Wars, scare me almost much as Michael Myers that we were talking about last week on Halloween. When I was in sixth grade and watched Halloween for the first time, when I was trembling and had to turn it off because, you know, stabbed him through the chest and the wall, I had almost that same feeling come in when Vader's dragging in, slamming people on the ground, you know, absolutely terrifying. Um... There was a comic, I forget when it came out, but I think it was within the Disney era, not the Dark Horse stuff. Um, but there's a quote from that where Vader says, like, I'm surrounded by fear and dead men. And I've never seen a more, like, accurate panel almost brought to life. Obviously, it's not the direct sequence or action we're seeing from that panel. But from a, a mood point of view and mood perspective, captures that perfectly, I feel like. Um, Brian, what are some of your thoughts on Vader's entrance? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was it was a brutal entrance, and you know, you guys have hit on that we hadn't really seen anything, um, you know, like that from this character before. You know, you know, within the confines of the movies and the TV shows. So, so it was interesting from that point. But uh, kind of my big takeaway from seeing Vader there in that section um, was really just kind of the 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 mental anguish and and the hatred and the resentment of Obi Wan because obviously. Yeah, the show could have been over right there, right? <laughs> Obi-Wan was posing no threat to Darth Vader at that point. Um, so it was almost in a way as like a coming out for Anakin uh, to him as Darth Vader and says, uh, now you know what you did and now you know that I'm going to chase you down no matter where you go. I'm going to torment you for the rest of your life because you've tormented me now for the rest of my life. Um, and I really loved kind of that um, more like psychological aspect of Darth Vader um, kind of in and that and then uh, you get Ned B come in save the day so that's that's always nice to get a droid in there so <laughs> oh my gosh you guys got to talk to Dustin Sighthammer who played Ned B he's a good friend uh, of mine uh, yeah I love Ned Ned B's character um, and uh, yeah right a droid had to come in and save the day uh, of course you know Vader arguably is part you know he's more machine than man so he's almost mm -hmm almost a droid but yeah i loved uh you know alexi you mentioned the psychology of anakin skywalker like what makes a person make bad choices or choices that are are not are that are either going to hurt them or hurt other people you know um and and there's a couple different reasons why you know anakin is just one reason he actually wanted to save uh, Padme, but he was, you know, uh, you know, you could argue, was he being selfish or, you know, I know that he had a little bit of pride, he had a lot of pride against Obi-Wan, you know, Obi-Wan, this is Obi-Wan's fault. He's not letting me progress and, and, and that kind of thing. So it was a combination of like pride and then also wanting to keep what he loved, you know, um, which makes for, yeah, such a complicated uh, what a tough decision to try and, you know, the, like you said, the psychology of him. So now, faced with Obi-Wan, after what Obi-Wan's done, he could never forgive him. He would never be able to forgive Obi-Wan for what he's completely changed his life for forever. Uh, in a horrible, and, and, and in the suit, arguably, he's being tortured every day. It's painful. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And all he wanted to do in his mind, all he's thinking was all he wanted to do was save Padme. But, you know, he also wanted to keep Padme, which as a Jedi, you know, you're not really supposed to do. Anyway, so much of it. So it's so rich. I love it. Absolutely, man. <laughs> um, do you have any also, like, what were your thoughts on Vader's entrance as well? I'm curious. And like the whole, you know, we see him coming down the, I guess, what, what was that? Like just an alleyway, Danilo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this when he walked down, and he's and he's uh, was that the, the when, he's, when he's first introduced, and we see like Kenobi through the the blinds looking through, or the the boards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Walks through the that, through the street, and he's grabbing yeah. people and choking mm-hmm. like that. I was so just as a fan, I was really glad that we got to see some a little bit of taste of flavor. Of remember in Rogue One the final scene where we see Vader so vicious, mm-hmm. you know, like is the Vader I always thought was there, you know, I always in my mind imagined that he was this killer, and he he was, um, and and uh, anyway, so it was really cool to be able to see him be so, you know, kind of brutal even with innocent people. Um, sorry, cool. I mean, satisfying because <laughs> that's what I thought that that character was and we just didn't really see a lot of it until rogue one anyway and then we got to see it in this show um but uh i i don't know what episode it was maybe we're not there yet the episode where reva gets the talking to from vader that's in the next episode fourth that's the fourth one yeah i know you're talking about yeah loved it i loved it i loved how how dark and mean he was because that's Mm. why i always yeah man it's it's what's wonderful to see that all brought to life finally. Well, not finally, but you know to see it come to fruition. You know our our wants for the character. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, Danilo, go ahead, man. Give us give us your recap for uh, episodes four through six. Yeah. So four is where uh, Leia is taken to the temple, or yeah, fortress, not uh, the Inquisitor Temple uh, base or whatever. So Obi Wan has to like go and find her again, and he goes with Tala. And they go and find her, and he goes to, like, the basement and everything. There's some bad stuff in the basement. We see some purge troopers. They break in. They get her. Um, we find out at the end that uh, Reva put, like, Lo- Lola, that little um, droid that she has, like, a tracker on it. So she let him get away. It was a whole tracking thing. And, you know, Darth Vader's all upset. You know, we get that little choke scene, and then we continue on. Um, then we get to an interesting episode. Where we see them having a little flashback back again in, uh, what was it, Order... Not, be, before Order 66. This is Attack of the Clones, yeah. Attack of the Clones era with their hairstyles. They're just training, having a good time, you know. Master and Padawan, and we see them fighting, everything like that. And it's very interesting. Um, we see then at the end, Reva, and Obi-Wan trying to turn Reva, being like, you know, you cur- you kill like, all, your, all your friends and everything. We find out uh, Reva is was a youngling during order 66 and everything like that. So Obi-Wan tries to use that against Vader. It just doesn't work. Um, Cause Vader's just an absolute unit. Um, then we keep going on and we get to the final battle at the very end where it's Obi-Wan versus uh, Darth Vader. And they have a big battle. Everyone gets put home safely. Um, Vader then becomes fully Vader. He's lost all feelings at the end. And then we get us four spirit Qui-Gon. At the end, which is kind of interesting, as Obi Wan just goes into the uh, desert. Yeah, yeah, man. Four Spirit Qui Gon is always dope. Glad we got that back, which we'll obviously touch upon more. Um, 
What were your first thoughts after finishing Kenobi? After seeing the next three? Like the very the the very end end? Yeah, yeah. I was satisfied. I like and then that's it. Like I was just satisfied. Like this was a decent show that they put out. I enjoyed it. Mm. Love seeing what I saw. Everything kind of just uh worked out. Okay. <laughs> okay. So there was no I gotcha. I gotcha. What about you, Brian? What were some of your first thoughts and reactions when uh, you wrapped this up? Yeah, I thought that it came together um, uh, really nicely. We knew, obviously, they were going to have um, some sort of battle, and we got it to kind of play out over, um, you know, kind of the final two episodes. I loved kind of the the interweaving between, uh, you know, the flashback scenes and the real-life scenes. And, um, you know, probably my favorite kind of exchange in the the whole show is when Obi-Wan is talking to Reva through that door, um, you know, as they're kind of pinned down. I thought that that was, that was excellent, and I, I really liked her character. I Maybe we should have mentioned her in the in the first section there, but um, I thought she was a really good example of you know kind of um, some sort of some sort of atonement uh, story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't uh, you don't have to you don't have to go bad and you don't have to <laughs> to die. You can you know make amends and and go on and do the right thing. And I thought that so her character arc I thought was was excellent. I liked her character a lot. And then yeah, obviously obviously the fight at the end um, was was really great. It was everything that we hoped it would be. Um, and the the kind of emotion and dialogue exchanges um, of that you know were you know as as stunning you know audibly as it as it was for you know what we were seeing on screen um obviously the way they were able to kind of kind of tell the story and uh, see (laughs) see kind of the the hatred and you know reaching out and you know they both just kind of come to this you know ultimate conclusion that you know neither of them can ever you know make up for what's happened so far they're both kind of too far gone down this path i i thought was was excellent and then obviously get kind of that beautiful capstone at the at the end of the show with um, Obi-Wan talking to to Leia about her parents which which was amazing and and then you get you get the Force Ghost uh, Qui-Gon which you know some people wanted Force Ghost Qui-Gon the whole time but you know I remember watching back seeing Qui-Gon in episode one that's exactly what he'd do he'd just show up last minute he'd be like I was just waiting for you to figure this out on your own and you did finally so now I'm here so <laughs> Um, you mentioned, you know, that last fight between Anakin, or excuse me, Vader and Obi-Wan. It feels so weird saying Vader and Obi-Wan now. Um, that last fight, so everything we ever wanted. Um, I was absolutely blown away between the other fight we got in these last three episodes. Between Reva and Vader on Jabim. Um, I've noticed this a lot, and I've said before, specifically about, like, the sequel stuff and a lot of the Disney-era Star Wars. One of my favorite things that they've been doing is taking lightsabers a bit literal. You know, um, during The Force Awakens, we see, like, Rey and Kylo. That looks believable. They're not flipping a thousand times. And, of course, I love seeing that with the prequels. But I can believe this is a struggle. You know, Daisy puts on a performance like she's actually going against someone who's trained nonstop. Um, the choreography is great in The Last Jedi. I like the fight scenes in Rise of Skywalker, of course. Um... Well, this was so neat was seeing, you know, like, Vader block the lightsaber with just the Force. That's something we would have done as, as kids trying to just make up our own rules as we went along. Um, it, it just felt, re- like, refreshing for a lightsaber fight almost. Um, like, Vader doesn't pull out a blade until almost the very end. I don't even think they clash sabers up until the two times or three times they do it, honestly, at the very He's end of it. He's just that scary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's that scary. And, like, it it works to a degree because of that. We're able to have, like, these almost childlike 
stories or like visions of fight scenes and bring them to life because this character is that good and we don't have to question it. And I love that. Um, that pro- I, don't, I know it's so brief, but so far, at least out of like recent Star Wars, that is one of my favorite fights because of that. Um, what about you, Lex? Is there any like standout moments for you with episodes four through six? The f- that was with the flashbacks between yeah like mm-hmm. okay that them adding that gave like so much insight too and like the game of chess that Obi Wan and Vader are playing together mm-hmm. because Obi Wan knows how Anakin is and Anakin Vader knows how Obi Wan is so they knew what they were gonna be doing and how they were going to approach each other and to like capture each other and it was just so neat to see that like mental telepathy between those characters because of how connected that they are and Mm. were and i think that was one of my my favorite parts was that mental chess between them okay absolutely especially with the see it flashing back and forth um i love in that episode specifically we always see after the flashback, it focuses on Vader. So we're knowing it's his thought process. He's remembering this lesson from his former master. Which also adds on to the final battle whenever we have that shot of uh, him looking down at the rubble. And he's like, now I've defeated you, master. So absolutely agree with you on that. Absolutely. Um, Chris, what are some of your favorite moments or standout parts of episodes th- 4 through 6 for you? Ah, uh, the the duel with Vader and and Obi Wan. I I've watched that over and over and over and over. It's so good. Um, but you know, you're talking about the flashback. I, uh, you know, when when you have a teacher teaching a student, mm-hmm. the student doesn't always see the progress, right? Even like if you're say if you're exercising and you're trying to build a muscle, and you you're you're doing it over the course of you know two months or something or three months. You don't see the little incremental progress, you know, that you make um, until you see someone you haven't seen for three months and they're like, oh, you've been working out, you know. So uh, that, you know, the teacher, though, does get to see the uh, improvement. And so Obi-Wan seeing uh, Anakin's, you know, that flashback scene is shows Obi-Wan like, I know what my student is doing. And I and that's when he <laughs> I think he points out um that uh, um, something about that, about his his desire to win um, and uh, to defeat someone and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, so I, I thought that was really cool, being able to see the teacher, the instructors, the master's um, point of view and uh, on his Padawan. And then, uh, but, but being able to see Vader brutally burying Obi-Wan you know, after what he did to him in his, his perception, um, what, what Obi-Wan did to him, uh, you know, just getting all the revenge he wanted, you know, smashing him, just obliterating him, uh, you know, and then have, and then seeing (laughs) Obi-Wan, it felt like almost he was going to give up, you know, even though of course we know he doesn't, but you know, it almost felt like he was going to give up there. And then he got all those flashes of like all the reasons why he can't. Mm Mm-hmm. You know all the all the hope that is there that he for people that he uh, can help, um, and and it makes me think of like you know when you 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 
there's some maybe there's something you want to do to help a situation that feels like ah I can't do everything so I'm just gonna do nothing you know mm-hmm. um but and then you give up and then you just it just feels hopeless but if you if we think like I can't do everything but I can I can do something so I'll do that sometimes <laughs> that can be enough for someone and. Uh, I just thought that that was a really um, a cool moment to see Obi-Wan, like, I- I'm just going to do whatever I can. And so, uh, but then, man, being able to see, like, uh, uh, Anakin's, uh, his understanding or his perception of the situation where he goes, um, you didn't kill Anakin, I did. <laughs> That's, that was, uh, I... I hadn't thought of that, but but when you go all the way back to A New Hope, mm-hmm. where where Obi Wan, you know, all this time we thought, well, he was kind of like twisting the truth a little bit from a certain point of view, but <laughs> he was telling he was telling Luke the truth that uh, Vader um, betrayed and murdered your father. Yeah, that was the truth because that's what Anakin told him. And so, anyway, I just feel so much emotion about this uh, whole story. But um, yeah, these this uh, this fine this final final duel between Anakin or Vader and and Obi Wan was just so it was so good, and I I had to watch it more you know multiple times. Um, there's I have a whole bunch of other things that I like to talk about, but you know that was that was I think the standout one for me. Of course, and it, it looks gorgeous too. Like the lighting is excellent. We see, you know, once Anakin goes on, you know, oh, I killed him, and we see the the color change to red, and we really see the yellow pop in his eye. Yeah, you know, um, truly showing us that Anakin's gone. Love yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely love it. And he was gone his own doing. Yeah, you know, like everyone said in in uh, Revenge of the Sith, he said, um. You have done that yourself. Yeah. You know, like, uh, he didn't have to fight Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't have to choke Padme. That was He did that himself. And, and he's in this position because, yeah, there were other things that happened, but ultimately he made the choices that, that made this way worse. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but, man, being able to see Vader in black and shiny and... And the, you're right, the color of that scene, uh, being see, able to see the emotion of Obi-Wan saying, I'm sorry. Oh. You know, people who are villains and narcissists, you know, they, oh, they just love it when they see that what their actions are making you feel emotion. And when you go back and say sorry to them, oh, they love that. They don't, they don't take it as like a, Okay, I'll forgive you, or or yeah, no. They it feeds their ego and it feeds their their energy is to to see that you have been defeated, and they want to do it over and over and over. And it's anyway. I just thought it was fascinating. I'm glad you brought that up. That just added a whole extra layer for that whole that fight. Go <laughs> go read go read about narcissists. Um, mm-hmm. And and you know not to be too harsh on Anakin, but. Uh, if you go read about narcissists, they get all of their energy off of, you know, off of off of people that they know that they can get to, you know, break down to, you know, to mm-hmm. their need. 
Um, so it's not just about getting attention. It's about Absolutely. hurting people. Absolutely. Gosh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, about the sound, too. Whenever he was flipping back and forth between, like, Anakin's voice and Vader's voice. Oh, yeah. Broke my heart. I... <laughs> I was crying so bad because I'm like, he's in there. Let him out. Mm-hmm. You know, his, but it, he was too far gone. You saw his voice box had been replaced, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in the back to tank. And then, yeah. And then hearing, because, you know, I think we all thought about like, why is his voice so different? I mean, he has like a British accent now. Like, well, what's the deal? You know, who who built his voice box? Mm-hmm. Well, it was the emperor, right? Speaking of, yeah. which we also get a nice little cameo from him at the very end of this as well. Um, yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. I mean, we've already obviously saw Rise of Skywalker. We got our big Palpatine return, you know. So it's kind of hard to, to top that, I feel like, in terms of getting a crowd for him. But, like, it was a pretty nice addition to see him included as well. Very, very glad to have his addition. Um, well, they're always... Right, that's what, that's what I think what that's showing, is that they're always in touch. They're oh. always... Communicating, he's always poking him, you know, always making him feel like he's not enough, reminding him how little he is. Yeah, he's master, right? <laughs> Danilo, I think this is going to get ready to wrap it up for our talk on Kenobi. I'm curious, man. I want to hear your final comments and your rating for this show. Yeah, it was a decent show. I enjoyed it. I like seeing Anakin and Hayden back again. That was probably the, you know, my big takeaway from it for sure. Um, because those were the two heroes and then, you know, Fallen Hero that I grew up with. Um, that was my Star Wars, you know. And then we got the Clone Wars, obviously, and we see more Anakin and Obi-Wan relationship and then Ahsoka. thought the end fight was great. was happy it wasn't like a 25-minute, you know, lightsaber duel. I'm happy they, went, they leaned more heavy into dialogue. I think that really helped them for sure and really made like better emotional connections as well with like audiences and mm-hmm. uh, you know, just them in general. Um, so yeah, overall rating probably be a four out of five, man. Really okay. enjoyed the series. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I know it's still, you know, a couple months after the show ended. I can't tell you how many times I've watched this finale. Um, you know, maybe it's Obi-Wan and Leia for me. You know, maybe I'm, it's just because I'm seeing my favorite hero and villain come together with the respected actors returning. Um, maybe it's all... I don't know. But this has so far been my favorite, like, Disney Star Wars that we've gotten. Um, yeah, this this beats the sequels for me. It beats Solo, which, you know, I really loved Solo. Beats Rogue One. Um, you know, obviously, I really, really wanted Clone Wars Season 7. But man, I'm, I'm also, this was pumping for me. This was a want for me for a long time, and I'm very, very glad we got it. Very satisfied. Um, obviously, I hope we, we get more stories of Obi-Wan, whether it be, you know, Ewan or James Arnold Taylor or whoever, or just books. I can't wait to know more about this time on Tatooine. Because now that we've, you know, he's dealt with his 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 issues of Anakin, his, his trauma, his PTSD, he's accepted that this isn't his fault. We can see him move on. I'm really curious to see, you know, where that goes, where we'll see, you know, him learning to become a force ghost of Qui-Gon that we saw at the end of this. Um, and the novelizations, they touch on that somewhat. Hopefully we'll see it brought to fruition of live action one day. Um, but as far as, like, season one, I know it wasn't what everyone was expecting by any means, but I loved it. Um, absolutely loved it. This was a Coruscant for me, a 5 out of 5. Um, 
Yeah, I just so good to have you and back as, as Obi Wan, man. Um, Brian, what are your thoughts? What are your final comments and rating? Yeah, for sure. So, kind of my my final thoughts. So, we touched on it at the top of the episode, right? About kind of everyone's expectations and what they thought, and mm-hmm. you know, we all kind of had our own sort of like in our own brain, kind of your own headcanon of what the story was going to be, um, and the show was far and away better than anything that I had planned in my own head for what it could have been. Um, it was excellent. We got introduced to new characters uh, that are worthy of our time and exploring more. Uh, we got Lola, who is awesome. Uh, we got uh, someone to come in and play Princess Leia and blew us all away. It was it was amazing. The show was great. Um, it was an excellent addition to, uh, I don't know, a story that we all knew. We all knew how it was going to end, ultimately. Um but it, it just felt so invested in this world and the way that there was, you know, telling it and the way that, you know, everyone kind of came together and Deborah Chow guided this thing was you know, just spectacular. So definitely Coruscant, five stars for me. I absolutely loved it. And uh, hopefully we get more of it. But if we don't, I think this is a, a perfect uh, sort of, you know, side note to Obi-Wan and Darth Vader's story. 100% agree, dude, completely. Um, Lexi, what are your final comments and your rating for Obi-Wan Kenobi? As much as it was bittersweet for it to end, and I want more, but it was a perfect icing on the cake ending to that kind of story. It gave so much more depth. It brought in those new characters, and like I said, Vivian did an amazing job as uh, Princess Leia, and like she was an actual little Carrie Fisher. Uh, I love Lola so much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cute little droid. I want my own. I was I was blown away as well. It it was like I said before and you guys said it was satisfying. Everything was satisfying and beautiful and I think it slowly it became my favorite Star Wars Disney Plus show. It just felt <laughs> familiar but not not too you know. Mhm. Like exactly what we've seen it was great. I think Coruscant, five out of five. I feel you. 100% agree. Chris, what is your final comments on this Obi-Wan Kenobi show? Obviously, from like the point of view of a viewer. Well, as a uh, Disney employee, I, I can't uh, give it a rating for reasons of um, yeah. you know conflict of interest. Uh, but I, I would say, um, as a fan, I loved watching it. I, loved, I was so glad that we got to see things that... Um, pushed um expectations like with vader's you know darkness and um and seeing ewan's um ewan's tortured uh uh obi-wan um i loved working with lola i worked with lola the droid um and uh she's uh so fun to work with and so cute and you can see why people love her um but uh, yeah I, I think for 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 the reasons that we talked about how um, there are some unexpected things in there. One of those being like James Earl Jones' voice uh, with Vader, and uh, and being able just to feel. Um, I felt like it was really a realistic depiction of Vader at this stage of his life, uh, in his relationship with Obi Wan, and um, and seeing the relationship with Obi Wan and Leia. Um, you know, it was funny. We always were expecting Luke. 
was going to be the focus of this, you know, until the very end where, um, <laughs> where we see Obi-Wan say, hello there. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> uh, that was such a fun surprise. Uh, but you always, you know, uh, are often you leave Star Wars with a good feeling and, I, and that's how I left it. So I, I'm really happy with how it turned out and I'm so glad that you guys uh, loved it too. You know, there's so many of us that, uh, that put so much work into it. There's a, such a, a massive amount of people that um, from concept artists to all the way to editors and sound mm. designers all the way to the end um, that put work into this that we all appreciate so much uh, that, that you guys appreciated the show. So we hope to keep making more. And we hope to keep watching plenty more. Trust us. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. It was such a pleasure. Of course. Thank you for coming on the show. It's been great getting you on here. Uh, we've been talking about doing this for you know a minute, so I'm glad we would have worked it out. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a great time, man. You're welcome to come back on at any point, of course. Thank you. Danilo, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week, man. I think it does, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Always I'm talking about Kenobi. Yeah, of course, of course. Brian, you're pretty much, you're kind of like with Alex at this point, man. I'm going to go and start saying it. You guys are here like every week, man. Where can our listeners find you if they don't follow you already? Yes, uh, thank you so much, uh, Max and Danilo, for having me back on. Always a good time uh, coming on, especially when we get to talk about uh, some Star Wars content. That is the best time for sure. But if you want to connect with me, uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's at astro underscore droid underscore, which is mostly uh, Star Wars uh, content. So go check that out. And then if you want to uh, listen to me talk about other things, uh, you can follow my Star Wars podcast, which is the Old Republic podcast, and my movie and cocktail podcast, which is Drink the Movies. Uh, Go listen to that wherever you're listening to this. And thank you so much again for having me on, and I appreciate it. And uh, Chris, it was uh, amazing getting to share this uh, screen with you here for the last time. So thank you so much for uh, joining in. When Max told me he'd had you lined up, I was very excited to come on and uh, get to chat. Oh, you're awesome. Thanks. And Lexi, where can our listeners find you as well? It's always great getting you back on here. It's been a minute, but you know, you're finally back. Where can they find you? (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at LexiLion98. Um, and Instagram at acapella98, um, or I'm sometimes on the Nerd Academy podcast. I haven't been on there in a hot minute, again, because of personal life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're great over there, and y'all should check them out. And thank you again, Chris, for talking with us today. It made me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and Chris, thank you again for coming on, man. It's It's been a pleasure, truly. Where can the listeners find you on social media? Uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter, both at Chris F. Bartlett. F stands for Floyd, my middle name. So Chris F. Bartlett is my handle. And uh, on Instagram, I post a lot of uh, Star Wars stuff, um, a lot of stuff that I make, um, and then also uh, convention appearances. And my uh, my favorite thing I post on there is I collect characters at conventions. Oh. So anytime you're at a convention that I'm at, and you're in a Star Wars costume. I want to film you. I film you, and I and I do it in a way that brings out your characters. Okay, so I might di- give you a tiny bit of direction, like come around the corner and point the blaster at me, or something like that. Uh, so anyway, you'll be able to find a lot of those on my Instagram. And then if if you see you there, then please comment, and then I can tag you in it. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, one of the favorite things I I do is is meeting fans in costume, in character at conventions. So that's pretty oh, awesome. I love it. 
Yeah, all the other stuff I can't post. So, I mean, uh, all the stuff I'm working on, I'm not allowed to post. So. I would love to talk about it, but, you know, I can't uh, because we want you to see it uh, on the screen. And, uh, yeah, that's that's. And then I'm also – I also restore, restore old cars and, and motorcycles. So I have – I have uh, two other accounts. The Falcon Van. I have a old old van called Ooh. the Falcon. Um, so at the Falcon Van and at Bartlett Motorcycles. Also, that's my other one. That sounds awesome, listeners. Go check them out. It's been an awesome time recording this episode, talking Obi Wan Kenobi this week. Uh, Danilo. Next week we're doing our big Weird Al special, I believe. Actually, discussing UHF and Weird, the Al Yankovic story, which. Yeah. On Roku. If you guys got Roku, let us know so we can use your login to watch it. Oh, come on, dude. <laughs> Jeez, I'm Hi. actually seeing Weird Al in like three hours, dude. I'm pumped. Oh, for that concert? Yeah, yeah. He's performing like five minutes from my house. I'm pumped, dude. I love Weird Al. Love nice, him. man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for our listeners, thank you so much for enjoying the show and for sticking around. Um, Go ahead, consider leaving us a review on iTunes and Spotify. It truly does help with the show much more than you can imagine. Check out all of our podcasts and video content on galaxyoffilm.com. Also, link down below, we earned in an awards waste this uh, this past week, dude. The, the 20, 2022 Discover Pods Awards, we officially entered in. Um, link down below to go ahead and nominate us and all that information down below. So, yeah, we got some stuff coming, dude. Also, a new film by Brandon coming out as well. Knock, knock. So, tons of stuff coming. Um, but yeah, stick tuned for next week. We're talking Weird Al. <laughs> yes. You sound excited. You sound thrilled. My laund- I just want my laundry key. I forgot to post a picture, so that's what I'm going to do right after this. Is take a picture of my laundry, laundry, laundromat place. Oh, that sounds exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>